All right, everyone, uh, welcome to our show. My name is uh, Cienfuegos. Uh, and this is Witzlin. Thank, uh, welcome to uh, Bread for the Proletariat, episode one. All right, guys, on this first episode, it's going to be on voting, democracy, uh, and unions. And we're going to compare that in a capitalist society and uh, try to paint a picture of what I would look in a socialist one uh, based on various examples and even on creative uh, just ideas that we've come up on our own. Yes. We'll start with uh, Proposition 1. And uh, also, let's just say this is going to be very awkward as a first episode. I just want to get that out of the way. So please do not mind. Please stick around. Please. Okay. So uh, pretty much uh, we're going to talk about local issues first. And uh, one, a few things you wanted to talk about was obviously the recent election and particularly... Um, the most recent propositions that were on the table, at least in terms of local politics. Um, and so that's something we'd love uh, to talk about. And so, I mean, first one primarily is going to be, uh, you know, proposition one or question one. And so according to, uh, you know, Salt Lake Tr Tribune, quote, non-binding question one, uh, this, ledger, this legislature approved ballot item is a result of a compromise with our schools now. Uh, our Schools Now is an organization, it's a ballot initiative, so they were originally going to set aside $700 million in annual education funding through income and sales taxes, and uh, instead they compromised for uh, $350 million of increased or actually changed property income and gas tax, uh, gas taxes. Uh, so pretty much, I guess, what that would l essentially be um, is that we're going to change people who own property, people who make substantial amounts of income, uh, and particularly uh, gas taxes. Uh, they're going to presumably raise uh, tax. Uh, you know, we're going to change those, going to tax those higher, um, and that's essentially one of what we're trying to get at here. Just give all the money to the schools, honestly. I mean. Proposition-wise, I guess it's not bad, right? Definitely vote yes for it, but, right? Like, we, we hear gov the, what's his name? Governor Herbert? Mm -hmm. We hear Governor Herbert, like, every year before his re-election. And this is what my coworker po pointed out, actually, because I, I, I could, to be quite honest, I keep a rat's ass about Herbert. But he was just saying that, like, every year he's always saying, we have a surplus of money every year. It's like, motherfucker, use the money. Mm -hmm. Use the money for schools. Use the money for infrastructure. Like, we don't have to have all this money left over that you're not using. That's not a necessarily good thing at all. <sighs> so frustrating. But it's a good... It's a good, it's good, it's a good compromise, I guess. And just to try to further break it down, I mean, pretty much uh, what it is, is uh, just a, a pretty much ballot, uh, the proposition one was just to whether or not to, to support the gas tax increase of 10 cents per gallon, uh, which, I mean, if you think about it, 10 cents per gallon, I mean, really, in the, in the long term is not that much, right? Uh, but ultimately, as as uh, was mentioning, I mean, we do end up having a surplus from uh, taxing businesses, uh, property tax. Um, there's quite a multitude of things that end up getting taxed in order to generate 
quote, the budget or the funds for uh, the school taxes. But we have to realize a lot of that is coming based on your property taxes. That's where most uh, funds for schools are coming from. And so keeping that in mind, we have to understand that uh, areas where property, property being land, acres, homes, etc., cetera, uh, anything like that is, uh, you know, if it's worth less, you're going to have less money uh, because you're getting taxed for it less uh, for your schools. And so realistically, you know, it's all dependent on your local area, mainly in terms of how much uh, income, uh, you know, your school and your schools in your local area get. And so, of course, I mean, if we're going to compare Utah, places like Alta, uh, Bingham, uh, you know, schools in the, if I'm being honest, in the east side, upper east side, rich areas, uh, uh, what's that one, Skyline, uh, not to tra talk trash on them, but realistically, those areas, their properties are talk, taxed at a much higher rate than in areas like North Salt Lake, Rose Park. Uh, and that's all based on, quote, market value, uh, which is, you know, determined by a multitude of things, which we can really get into. But just for now, just to keep it simple, it is essentially tied to that, back to your, how much your community is, quote, worth uh, in terms of the market. And that's, I guess, what that's what the Prop 1 was trying to do in a way, I guess, was create a separate budget uh, for school funding. So the tax hike, uh, the adjustment in property and income taxes and sales tax, uh, or not sales tax, uh, and gas taxes, um, all those are getting adjusted now instead of what they had initially, which was from Our Schools Now initiative. What they had initially was uh, a prop, uh, an initiative to essentially increase in income and sales taxes. So, I mean, for the average person, I mean, that can really be detrimental uh, considering, uh, you know, that the market isn't going to uh, be beneficial to them in any way. You know, the market doesn't care if you're getting taxed more. The market is going to charge you what the market is going to charge you. Um, and so, I mean, who knows why that was, you know, initially or, you know, removed after. But, um, you know, that's one of the aspects of that. And, uh, you know, we have to – we should also look at – uh, which groups are criticizing Prop 1, uh, not just look at this merely from a critical standpoint, uh, from a working class standpoint, but let's look at it uh, from a more, I guess, a different standpoint in terms of who's actually uh, criticizing it. Big groups like the AFP, Americans for Prosperity, that is run and operated by the Koch brothers. Uh, they have interest in keeping the taxes for gas low, of course. I mean, they benefit from that industry. Uh, they want to keep making immense, immense profits on that industry, and taxes would be detrimental to that because people wouldn't be looking to drive around as much. You know, they're not looking to spend on their gas. And so, I mean, that's, those are things we have to look at as consumers and as well as taxpayers. You know, is uh, where's our money going? Who's, you know, who's criticizing our initiatives? And, you know, what gains do we have to make and what interests do they serve? Right. No, exactly. I agree 100%. Um, I mean, fuck, I'm just thinking of, like, my community right now. Mm -hmm. Kearns is definitely a low-income, when I say it's low-income area. It's a working class. It's yeah. a working, exactly, it's a working class area, just because, like, history-wise, Camp Kearns, right, was an area for veterans. Um, this is where they put, like, all, all the World War II veterans when they didn't have anywhere else to put them. If I'm being completely honest, they had no idea where to put people, so that's where they put them here. They put World War Two, World War One veterans here in this area, um, so that's why this area is honestly not very well taken care of. Um, these are very old houses. Um, 
Actually, my house has a crack. I don't know if you've seen the huge crack in my house. No. In the cement. Yeah, there's a huge crack in the kitchen. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, the school here is, like, run down. The, the, I think the last time they, had, they ever had any equipment put into the school was when I was in, like, third grade. I'm not going to do that math. The West Currents, it's just three blocks, four blocks away from here. Yeah. The elementary school and Kennedy Junior High, I've, I've never been there, but I would assume it's like probably the same thing. Um, I think you should also try to highlight uh, just the quality of your education that while you're there. Um, I mean, we're going to talk a lot about these schools that have that extra funding that we're mentioning. Let's talk about the extra cu- curriculars they, c- they can afford as a school for their students. Uh, you know, the after-school programs that they have, uh, you know, to keep the youth, uh, you know, whether it be using their creative energy, you know, it's, it's not as simple as that sometimes, you know, a lot of people do need these places to go, especially in these working class communities. I mean, their parents are consistently working, you know, not always home, so they want somewhere to go, they need somewhere to be in order to uh, really avoid, uh, you know, getting into trouble, to, you know, say in, I guess, the broadest terms. Um, and so, like, I guess that just really has a profound effect that people don't really take into consideration is, you know, if your school has good after-school programs, you're going to stay after school. Or if your school has good mentors that you can, that can help you and, uh, you know, pr- help you in terms of, like our school did, you know, we, uh, you know, if, for those of uh, you that know us, I mean, you guys know what school we went to. We went to APA, American Prep, and you, you know how me and Wheatsley feel about it. And, you know, it's, it's intense. And, uh, but we had those people that had our backs there and, you know, that stayed until like 6 or 7 p.m. with us so we wouldn't have to, uh, you know, be home. And, you know, it wasn't a, a, an equal distribution, right, because it's more of an individual case by case. Yeah, because I was still a hood rat for like two years. But Yeah, and don't get me wrong. And that's the worst part about some schools in general is, I mean, if you're not. There's still kids that are going to slip through the cracks exactly. because it is unevenly distributed. Mm-hmm. It is. You can end up with, uh, you know, kids uh, still dropping out, still getting not attention because they're not these star children, these poster child, especially at APA. We had, I mean, I was one of those kids, you know, where I got that extra attention uh, from teachers and students. Fucking op. I, hey, hey, hey. Uh-huh. I ain't no fucking arc b- or op, you know, and a snitch. Uh, I was still cool with everyone, but I definitely, yes. I, I definitely saw, uh, you know, like the actual differences in terms of, you know, the time that I was given versus the time that, you know, some of my best friends were given. A lot of my best friends were even told to drop out. Uh, and I was never told that, uh, you know, while I was there. You know, my friends get asked, you know, why, you know, where are you going with your life? Why are you still here? You know, like, you know, why are you wasting your time? And they don't get any of these encouraging words. They don't get asked, you know, how are things going at home? They don't have things or anyone there to care for them. Uh, you know, and it's not always a familiar situation. It literally is just your parents are not there because they're consistently working. Or, you know, yeah, and it that's a uh, more of a common problem than people want to accept. And, uh, you know, like they say, the hours between three and eight are the most dangerous times for kids, just given the fact that they're going to end up doing or they're going to get might end up more than likely in a situation that can get them in trouble, uh, especially when there's no adults there to hold them accountable or watch over them. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, my parents were never home. You know, me and my sisters would get home, stay alone until about six, seven, you know, o'clock at night sometimes just because they're always working, uh, you know. And so, like, this, even the psychological effects, I mean, this stuff gets so deep. Uh, and so it's hard to just mainly focus on one at a time uh, like that. But 
that's with essentially with prop one. I mean, mm-hmm. just to get back to the gist. Yeah, I don't want to get hung up on yeah, trauma. On trauma, right? It's uh, <laughs> it's pers- it's some deep shit, man. And it, uh, first step is always being honest, and uh, you know, and all the sources of the problems. And you know, the source of the problem now is in Utah is the fact that it's in unequal uh, school funding. I mean, you know, these rich kids don't need that extra school funding. They really don't. They can get their parents to pay for that shit. And you I- know what's fucking funny that their parents end up paying it for end up paying it for them anyways and that's my point bro and then you got these uh extra soccer moms that are extra supportive and they're gonna push their kids to reach their fucking extracurricular goals and i'm not trying to sound like a little brat because that wasn't me right but this realistically yeah like that's a, a common pattern um and not to say that those households are perfect but let's be honest if we're going to talk about uh success rates those play a, a huge factor in determining success um and so yeah i mean realistically like prop one i think um personally uh you know good compromise sure uh it was good to get enough funds but is it the actual solution to the root of the problem hell no no fuck no f-u-c-k-n-o no (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean i don't know i guess just what I don't know. What what's something you would change? I guess. Stop funding the pigs. True. Like, do you like? I don't know. I guess we have to look at our local issues, and I guess. Well, right. Like we just have to stop funding Rio Grande Operation Rio Grande. Put that shit all the way back to the to schools and and not all schools. Right. Mm-hmm. We can't just put the money back in all schools because it's not all schools that are being affected. It's um, working class, low income. I'm not even gonna say low income either, cause it's poor. Cl- it's poor, and of right? Like poor people of color uh, communities who are being affected. And it's unfortunate because uh, they do try to justify a lot of these uh, injustices or, you know, these uh, rates of graduation, and they're gonna. Most people are gonna revert back to racism, and you know, like, how is it that? These kids are still getting these funds and da da da, da but you know they're not succeeding. Uh, you know, and it's subconsciously all tied back to you know racism. Well, these are just, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it, it all goes back, um, particularly you know the, the North Salt Lake area due to lack of funding. I mean, heavy Latino population, heavy uh, working class population. Uh, you know, these people are not on the priority of the people running our government. Uh, to be honest, because those are not the people running our government. Um, you know, we got these, uh, you know, old white guys, these capitalists, these capitalists, these business owners who, who main goal is to make money and, uh, you know, profit off of whatever, whether it be people's, uh, you know, poor situation, whether it be anything. I mean, capitalists are the prime opportunists in our society. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's terrible. The true snakes, the capitalists. Okay, well, on to the next one. Technical difficulties. All right, so we got this is all live, just so everyone knows. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, all right. So now we're going to talk about that prop two, everyone's favorite this year. Of course, we all know your local Utah. Fucking potheads. Hey, <laughs> we all, we got, we got, we're sandwiched in. 
And so, of course, this was bound to happen sooner or later. Uh, Nevada, Colorado, Canada, and even Mexico, you know. Canada. Particularly Canada. But, you know. Fuck Chardoy. Let's fucking talk about it. I mean, what do you think about Prop 2? Um, from what I know from um, a nurse that works down at the Huntsman Cancer Institute, um, this would be a great, this is a great thing for um, her patients, and she loves this. She's in full support because it would definitely help help out the people there because she, she tells me, you know, um, people come in for their, for their dose, and they go out, um, they go out, and, you know, they... They go out and then they come back and they usually when they come back they come back malnourished, um, because you know the medication, uh, k- chemotherapy stops them from eating, and they yeah they just come back malnourished and having having this would would definitely benefit them and not having and having to see them come back for their next treatment healthy, um and not like in in grave condition. No, totally, and that's uh, totally valid. Uh, you know position and point of view i mean that's obviously the main point of this proposition is for medical access to the cannabis and so i mean realistically um i mean it's it's a huge important issue by all means in terms of you know how uh, why it's being why it would be considered for legalization obviously there are huge uh, you know detrimental terminal uh, illnesses that people can benefit from using marijuana whether it be ingesting uh, smoking, uh, applying it as an oil or a balm. Uh, there are mo- multiple, multiple ways that we could talk about how to apply marijuana. And obviously our legislature has uh, conservative connotations in terms of how they want us to use it. Uh, you know, they, they don't want us to use it for recreational purposes. And People still going to get high anyways. I mean, people, uh, obviously, uh, you know, we're in the community and we know our community. And our community, they don't care. They're still going to smoke, and... I mean, I'm high right now, high on life. High off the people. Um, But, yeah, I mean, realistically, when it comes down to that sort of thing, I mean, I think Prop 2 overall was good, right? I mean, it would allow for uh, really a bit more, not necessarily lenient, but let's break it down in terms of what it would actually do. So Prop 2, I believe, would allow one dispensary for... Per county or every 150,000 people. So Salt Lake County obviously has a shit ton more people than that. And so we would have had like eight dispensaries uh, at least or something like that. You know, who knows? I don't, you know, check my math. Who gives a fuck? Uh, You know, but realistically, um, yeah, I mean, that that was one of the things. And then you were going to be have to be just 18 years or older uh, and just be essentially recommended this by a doctor. So, I mean, it was, quote, lenient according to Utah standards, but uh, according to uh, pretty much California or Colorado standards, I mean, that's pretty just average, uh, you know, proposition work. And so we have to, in terms of Prop 2, uh, of course, it's shitty because they're already talking about a compromise, and that's obviously an undemocratic process. I'm so sick of, like, the Democrat centrist here in Utah. Oh hell yeah! And the Utah Centrist Party. Like, oh my oh god! Oh my god! Please, uh, hide let under me just compromise on my life. Thank you. Next. Couldn't have said it better. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of these, uh, you know, collaborationists, uh, they want to work in office with the people in terms of 
making people feel more comfortable, blah, blah, blah. And that's great. You know, I appreciate your energy, but that's not where it needs to be needed. It needs to be on the anti-racist front. It needs to be on the anti, uh, you know, misogyny, anti-sexist, anti, pretty much anti-oppression front where we need that patience, not compromising with our exploiters, our people who are opportunists, who don't want people to have independent access. You can't even grow your own plants, people. You can't even have the experience of growing your own plants for your own medical use. And if you don't see a problem with that, then you are really, really dependent on society for your basic needs if you can't understand why providing for yourself would be important or having your own form of economic independence would be important uh, is, you know, it's, it's huge. It, it plays a huge part, especially when it comes to cannabis. Yeah, agreed. I just... I'm, I'm, this is a great step forward, I, I guess, quote unquote. It gets people talking. I guess it gets the, yeah, it gets the ball rolling. I mean, this is not the end goal. Like, please don't make this your end goal. Please. Please don't make this your end goal. Don't be that person. They're like, okay, well, next. Like, no. Like, there's so much more to be done with just this. And like with, with uh, Proposition 1, too. Like, there's so much more that can be, f- like, pushed. And I'm not saying, like, reform is the goal. Keep reforming because that that gets you nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, you, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get us nowhere. Back to the main part of what I was referring to, the undemocratic process of the compromise, is that, uh, quote, if approved by voters, and this is according to the Salt Lake Tribune, same article, breaking down the propositions one through four. Uh, they came out earlier last month, or late last month. Uh, but ultimately, and to quote, if approved by voters, the Utah Medical Cannabis Act would allow patients on the recommendation of a physician to obtain a medical marijuana card and buy cannabis products from, quote, state-sanctioned but privately run enterprises. So what does that mean, people? That means you're going to be paying a high-ass price for your fucking weed. Just like we do for alcohol, the state sanctions on alcohol... Uh, and whether or not this is good or not, if we're going to talk about market competition, but that does uh, the Utah Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control pretty much has a state monopoly on uh, alcohol pricing here in Utah. So that's why instead of your vodka of eight, you know, 16 liters of vodka is seven dollars instead of three fifty, uh, as opposed to in Wyoming, which whether or not is good or bad, we can talk about, uh, you know, later. But realistically, like we have to understand these power structures that do go into play when. Uh, controlling these substances. I mean, especially, uh, you know, like this is the government that, uh, you know, labeled it as a Schedule One drug. And, you know, most of us don't uh, understand and fully grasp it. It's not a Schedule One. Uh, is Whether or not it even deserves to be on that list or any of those lists, uh, you know, is uh, legally still being debated. But, you know, pretty much the, the people, the masses, the general consensus is, uh, you know, it's not a Schedule One or Schedule Two. And you still get those uh, uber conservatives, of course. Uh, you know, you can't control them all. And, you know, there are people who still are going to be live hard, die hard, you know, drug war propaganda. Oh, wow. and, and I know you can't. For those, I mean, what can, what can you really do? Hopefully you hand them a joint and they take it and they change their mind, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's uh, pretty much, uh, I guess, in terms of Prop 2, the uh the medical and uh, the beneficial aspect of it uh i mean obviously pro recreation uh can be good i mean you know you you're you know based on your personal opinion 
I'm for pro recreational uh, cannabis use. Uh, by all means, it definitely needs to be uh, moved off the black market and into a more uh, spotlight. Not necessarily just because, you know, I want it to be. Well, I, of course, I want it to be a legalized industry. One because you get better regulations on your product. You're not smoking dirt weed. You never know who would lace in your weed to make it more dank. You know, they're telling you it's, you know, they're saying, hey, trust me, my good, sh- my shit's good. But guess what? It's been secretly laced with fucking LSD, coke. You never fucking know, right? And, I mean, and so, like, it's it's a fucking, it's a hell of a process. Don't get me wrong. But realistically, um, it's a quite beneficial one. It helps. I mean, pricing is going to go down. You know, this this black market value that everything is uh, being quoted to you as right now, it's, it's all fake. Uh, and I'm not trying to nag on my, my, my hustlers out there trying to make a grind, but just to put it into reality is, you know, it's all extra compared uh, to the actual price that they'd be worth in another state. And so we got we to gotta talk about that and we got to look at that as well. Um, and so, I mean, that's just an aspect of Prop 2 that I would look at. Um so now okay well now that we're moving on to prop three um expanding medicaid to people who oh go ahead no go ahead go ahead no i was gonna say it's an interesting topic go go ahead (laughs) shut up go go ahead no yeah it's an interesting topic um just because the conservatives are always saying expand medicaid and medicare but then they don't want to expand Medicaid and Medicare because it costs too much money or whatever. Or fuck poor people. Or fuck poor people, really, is what it is. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, Prop 3 would um, allow, instead of having to wait for approval or denial of a medical Medicaid waiver um, submitted by the state for, by the state to the federal government, um, Prop 3 would just bypass that and just increase it over... Um, using the Affordable Care Care Act or Obamacare, I feel like I should have like dun 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 Obamacare, um, to you know the one hundred and fifty thousand low income people in Utah. Yeah. Um. So I mean, that's kind of a no brainer, right, guys? I mean, I would think it's a no brainer. Do you want people to have health care? Or do you not want people to have health care? Right. And that's, unfortunately, uh, that's, I mean, that's the shitty part about this fucking system, right? Is that we have to deal with contradicting fucking ideas that are pretty much in, every, in our everyday lives. I mean, uh, it's pretty much comes down to public spending, which is not public spending, but that's only an issue within fucking capitalism, uh, you know, and uh, a capitalist versus worker society. Obviously, the worker wants free health care. The fuck? You know, I don't want to fucking pay $500 premium every time I want to go get a fucking, you know, if I break my arm or if I do this or that, you know, I don't, if I get sick and I go to the ER, you know, I, luckily I'm in a good position, right? Well, I can afford a copay. Uh, but let's, let's say, let's just take my example of going to the dentist. Uh, it was way more affordable than it would have been had I not had insurance. Uh, but still, I mean, it was fucking $400, you know, like that's a lot of fucking money when it comes down to it, you know, and luckily they break down those payments, but I mean, most places don't break down payments sometimes, and, you know, if they do, some of them require credit, you know, and, you know, that's all, again, based into this fucking system. So, just moving back to the whole fucking healthcare thing, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's crooked. I mean, you know, why we, 
it's for the common person is why is it even a question yeah we can do maybe like a 15 percent increase in our t uh that's what literally what it is it's a through a 15 percent sales tax increase um or 0 0.15 percent sales tax increase uh that would pretty much generate 90 million bucks plus the additional 800 million that we get from the fed uh, from the feds um pretty much you know 890 million dollars and poor people get better health care coverage so yeah of course and and this system that mediocre reform is going to have to do you know but obviously that's not what we want we want universal free health care to the max meaning brain surgery free uh you know transition surgery free uh broken arm surgery free anything you possibly need for free um and that's completely plausible i'll give you fucking three countries off the top of my head cuba North, no, actually, I'm not even going to say North Korea because I know you fuckers are going to say something s ridiculous. Kind the DPRK. Some oriental shit. Yep. So the DPRK, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, and um, I think Vietnam too, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, countries do that shit all the time. Cuba, Cuba just... Recently, not recently, as two thousand three, put transition into their into their universal health care. I mean, should they have done it earlier? Yes, by all means. But regardless, like that's they're twelve, fifteen years ahead of us. Yeah, we don't even guarantee that by our, we don't even guarantee health care in our constitution. The USSR, Cuba, all these uh, red states from the quote red curtain, Yugoslavia, even uh, there wasn't one hundred percent quote, communists or socialists, uh, they were a mixed economy. Even them, they had guaranteed free health care uh, for their citizen population. And that's because it was a worker-dominated society, worker-controlled society. And, uh, you know, workers feel each other's plight. And the plight of free health care and uh, not having access to that is a fucking serious one, especially in this day and age where the cost of health care is rising substantially. Or so, uh, you know, like we have to... Fuck yeah, it is. I pay... Altogether, for like my healthcare benefit insurance uh, benefits, I pay one hundred dollars mm -hmm. a month. Mm -hmm. Like, just that makes me like makes me so angry. Like, I I have to pay one hundred fucking dollars so I don't fucking die. And so I don't fucking die. Yeah, pretty much. And that's the fucked up part is that, you know, at the end of the day, like, yeah, they're going to, quote, treat you. But, I mean, how many articles do I have to pull up on you where they threw the patients out when they couldn't afford to uh, their own health care? You got, you got that hospital in Maryland. You got a hospital in Florida. Shit. Um, we even had a hospital here in Utah that I think uh, released a medical patient because they couldn't afford their, their bills. And so, I mean, if we're going to talk about that kind of shit, I mean, that shit happens all the time. And it's, un it's inhumane. Um, you know, especially, I mean, let me pull up that article even. Here, hold the mic. Hold the mic. Hold the mic. Mic drop. Yeah, I mean, how fucked up is that? God, I hate this place. University of Maryland Hospital it, uh, uh, fail, if, quote, failed to discharge the patient 
pretty much what they did was, it was in the middle of the fucking night. It was earlier this year in January, uh, middle of the fucking night, freezing cold. And luckily there was a guy out there recording these scum, you know, hospital members and the paramedics just dumping this woman out into the streets uh, because she wasn't able to afford her care. And so, you know, shit like that happens all the time. And we're going to talk about even hospitals in these Nordic countries. They still they still fail because it's a system based on uh, money and, you know, not the value of human beings. And so uh, they're not maintaining it uh, for human beings. They're maintaining it to pretty much make money off of it. And that's what we have to remember is that capitalism um, just builds fucking towns and builds these things that we want only when it can make money off of them, not because we want them. Mm-hmm. Or need them. Most importantly, need them. Yeah, most importantly, need them because I, because I, I don't need some of the stuff that I have, regardless. But I still want it. But I don't need it. I mean, that one seems pretty uh, pr- fucking straightforward. Like, if honestly, like I'm just gonna put it out there. If you don't support at least per op three, you're kind of a shitbag, and you probably have good insurance. And you don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, one day, um, I don't know. You're gonna get hit in the face. By my foot and or someone else's or a bat. Just putting that out there. Be prepared. Yes. Anyway, next prop. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So prop four of gerrymandering. All right, so let's get to it, folks. Obviously, gerrymandering is fucking huge everywhere in this country. Because uh, obviously, we don't elect our own fucking districts. We don't even form what our own district is. It's done by people in office. Yeah, we don't even fucking cut that shit up. The, have you seen the, Have you seen Kearns? And how, like, weirdly shaped Kearns is? It's for a reason. Yeah, it's for a fucking reason. There was that 100-mile strip, actually, in Texas. It's literally a fucking strip, a hundred miles long, of democratic gerrymandering for Democrats along the San Antonio Fault. So yeah, makes sense why Beto didn't fucking win, because guess what? Beto. Beto. We're calling him Roberto. That's his fucking name. And for you, all Roberto stands. Fuck you. Learn a little bit more about Roberto and his fucking goal to gentrify all of like. Uh, you know what? I know. Let's not let's not paint him as our progressive savior. He's not our modern Jesus by any means. Uh, but people, you know, the moment they get a a, a glimpse a glimpse of uh, you know happiness or a better life, I mean, it's easy to rally around that. And I, and it, I don't blame people for doing that. Honestly, I did that when Bernie came along, and you know who knows half of me and my fucking uh, friends and family went to these rallies together and. So, you know what? Like, I don't think we can completely hate on people who support Beto or Roberto, as we like to say. Um, but realistically, like, yeah, I mean, that's not the pro- uh, You know, people in his party and maybe even him, you know, maybe there's shit. His, quote, private and public position, right, um, that these Democrats like to have. Um, you know, who knows what he actually stands for? You know, a lot of some stuff is rhetoric. Uh, you know, Bernie had a lot of rhetoric, political revolution. I mean, shit like that. You don't just revolution is not just a fucking. And he's up to light work. I mean, quoting Mao, revolution is not a dinner party. 
You know, you're not going to sit there and have like a nice little, nice little di- Thanksgiving dinner and chat. and chat about politics and then like go home. I'll feel good because that's your family and, you know, you respect opinions and like it does nothing because that's not the reality of things. But like, I mean, moving back onto this um, and just like re- leaving Roberto to the side, look up um, Duranguito in in texas look up duranguito and look up the gentrification about duranguito and all the protests and how roberto was actually behind all uh, gentrifying duranguito so it's look at boyle heights too look at exactly look at boyle heights um so i mean fuck i mean obviously good this is And when it comes to gerrymandering, is it, people don't realize, I mean, I mean, well, they do realize, right? It's not a democratic process. It's really not a democratic process. And I guess the full scope of that, what that means is that you, me, regular people, don't have any say in how they're going to campaign for us, you know, who they're going to assign. For, you get a, assigned pretty much a politician. You don't get to choose your politicians anymore. You get assigned politicians now. Um, and so that's... Essentially, the biggest facade in this, quote, democracy is that we don't have, I mean, sure, we have a say, almost, um, right, in terms of, you know, who's winning, I guess. Uh, But if we're going to talk about the Senate and how gerrymandering affected that, I mean, just for the pure stats, 7 million more votes were voted for Democrats for Senate races uh, than they were for Republicans. And so given that fact that, that we still have a Senate majority that is Republican, uh, gerrymandering played a huge role in that. I mean, you know, you have, for example, you can have an area specifically designated for uh, Republican, strictly Republican voters. And if you can get them all in the same area, then you're pretty much guaranteed to win, uh, especially when you're such a, if you're a Democrat or if you're any other person in that area, you're, you essentially become a minority uh, politically in that, uh, you know, area. And, uh, you know, you don't really have power, uh, to elect your officials at that point. I mean, they're just running, I mean, for really, it's just for, for fucking shits for a show. Uh, in a way, you know, it's, you know, like fucking, what's that guy? Old, uh, the old fucking guy in Senate. The one who just left. Hatch? Yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck uh, that guy. Oh, fuck. I thought we were going to like do it in sync. Oh. Fuck that guy. Come on. Fuck that guy. Good sound bit. Good sound bit. Hatch. Yeah, but, you know, people like Hatch who can politically dominate and reign and, quite frankly, form a dictatorship in... in Yo! Oh, oh, my shit, God. Shit, the D word. What? The D word. But that's literally what it is. It's a political dictatorship over that Senate seat in the, in the fucking House of Senate. And or the chamber of Senate, what the fuck it's called? I don't really care because you know what? At the end of the day, it's gonna be called the people's chambers, or whatever the fuck you wanna call it. Just, I'm just like thinking of like, are you Americans running your mouths about the DPRK, about Cuba, about the USSR? That's a dictatorship. But there's the same one person in the Senate year after fucking year and y'all don't say shit because you know what y'all's orientalism is fucking showing
You know what's showing? Y'all's racism is showing. You know what's showing? Y'all's propaganda is showing. I retract. That was very rude of me to say. But regardless, um, uh, just it's just you guys gotta we gotta think about things a little deeper, um, right? I'm, this is good. This is a good step. Yes, mm-hmm. this is a good. I'm just making sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't want to say something mm-hmm. that's not that I wasn't supposed to say. Um, I mean, yeah, this, this is a good step. I mean. I feel like overall what we should take from these is not necessarily tools for your liberation, but tools to begin your own. I mean, we can definitely take some of this and like build on it post-revolution. And I agree. Don't get me wrong. But this, I feel like a lot of this is money-based. And if mm-hmm. we're talking about social society. Like the, like I, I saw something that right. Like uh, Roberto like spent like two point something million dollars on his campaign. Are you fucking kidding me? You know what we could have done with those like two point something million dollars? Like someone's gonna say, "Wow, look at all that money he spent and didn't get voted in." Like yeah, literally, literally, could have been used for something better. Could have definitely brought up the wages for teachers. Could have gotten school supplies. Like it really could have helped solve a lot of problems that he was probably running for to help to solve. So. Congratulations. Y'all played yourselves. How much did he spend? All right. This is not just uh, Roberto, but it's literally this midterm election. Um, let's see how much money was fucking spent. Oh, man. 82, okay. I can't even say that number. <laughs> what the? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. That's hold on. how big that number is. I can't even find it. I'm so dead. Okay. 2018 election over review. <sighs> okay. Oh shit. That number is huge. Okay, ha- hey, House and Senate elections. Okay. So all of them total raised, they raised for just the the House campaigns uh raised, not even spent. Uh raised uh about 1 billion 540 million 771,786. So that's how much money was raised just for campaigns. And I just would like to say that Flint still doesn't have clean water. But, uh, Vobeto, right? Our, our indigenous reservations that we have forcibly placed our indigenous populations onto still don't have water. Stairs and indigenous stairs in Flint. Like, like honestly. But let me go ahead and, like, bow down and kiss. Beto's shoes kiss the ground he walks on because he's a a progressive that I'd like to he's he's on right he's just someone that you want to see right you like same thing with Justin Trudeau he's a he's a scumbag but everybody just like likes him because he's likable because he's charming because he's charismatic mm-hmm. I agree I agree honestly and that's that's definitely true and 
we have to realize again, like we're talking about these propositions, but you know, this democracy voting and all this shit, like it goes further than a fucking ballot people. Like, you know, some people want to say the political power doesn't come from a ballot, that it comes from a bullet. You know, we can go the other direction, right? And we can really go that radical, but you know, you have to be more fucking direct in your democracy, whether that be organizing uh, to whatever you want to see, whatever problem you want fixed. If you want uh, less police brutality in your neighborhood, uh, for example, in Rose Park, you know, rest in peace, uh, you know, our young brother that got shot up by the fucking pigs uh, two nights ago, uh, you know, on the fucking ninth, you know, fuck those pigs that shot him up, uh, you know, and there's shit like that that goes on. And, you know, if you don't want that, we have to, you know, create an organization to patrol your communities, join Utah against police brutality. You know, there's things, uh, you know, SDS, Freedom Road Social Organization, uh, for students, if, especially if you're in college, that you can get involved with. And not only just showing up to their protests and their rallies, but actually being part of these organizations and trying to affect change in your community. Just because realistically, uh, you know, especially in that Rose Park area, we're going to talk about people doing serious work. I mean, the Brown Berets are seriously trying to bring uh, working independence, uh, you know, independence to that whole area. Um you know, helping shout out to the Brown Berets. They're putting in, they're putting in the work, and they're getting a lot of young kids, which is fan fucking tastic. Mm-hmm. Kids respect them. The youth respect them. They stand up for them against racism. Uh, you know, when these kids have incidents of racism at school with substitute teachers, who was there for them? The Brown Berets. Literally, you can go talk to them, and you can uh, ask them of the incidents where they've stood up for students that they're part of their organization. That's what they're there for. They're there for accountability and advocates for their community. And not only that, but they're there to integrate themselves. And I guess the Brown Berets are the community, you know, not just, oh, not just them, but everyone that's in a, a revolutionary organization, especially the revolutionary socialist one, you know, uh, like SDS uh, or, you know, Freedom Road Organization. I mean, you know, those guys are doing a lot of good work and for communities. Uh, trying to bring awareness to a bunch of issues and even trying to transform the current state of things, you know. And so, um, you know, there there are a lot of good people doing a lot of great work out there. And, you know, we're sorry that we, if we missed anyone. But, um, you know, that's one thing that we really need to start looking at is that it's more than just a ballot and a name on a ballot and choosing for someone and expecting things to change because that's not democracy, people. Democracy goes so much more further than that. Right. It does. <laughs> Breaking news. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so now we'll move over to like. So now there's more than one sort of democracy. Anyway, mm-hmm. I was before I was rudely interrupted. I mean, yeah, it, it does. It ties into like. <laughs> I, fucking hate you. I literally fucking hate you. You're so annoying. Shut your mouth. Literally what I wanted the first time. Just go, we'll fix it. Um right, like it it does tie into like democracy and other spaces. Um, you know, in your house. No, not in your house. In your workplace, uh, you know, unions. Well, I mean, yeah, we have to I agree it even in your house. Yeah. Uh, I think democracy, in terms of in a revolutionary sense, we have to really expand to every corner of society, uh, whether even the military. I mean, if we're going to talk about the Red Army or, uh, you know, the uh, especially or the Red Guards under Mao. Fuck yeah, the Red Guards. 
just using them as an example, even in their own military, the democratic process before each mission that occurred, you know, uh, you know, pretty much the commander was equal to the, the average rank and file soldier, and the, uh, the commander had to break down every mission prior to that, and the soldiers had to agree to pretty much vote on whether or not they were all going to make that mission work. And, you know, they would vote yes, because obviously they want to liberate their country. They want to see freedom from capitalism and colonialism. Uh, and we have to consider, obviously, historical context. But that's just for example, right, uh, the democratic processes. And so a big one to talk about is definitely democracy in the workplace, uh, you know, unions. Uh, and that's just unions essentially are the beginning for the working class consciousness to start growing. But, I mean, we have uh, the... Um, I guess there's like a different tone in a capitalist society of a union versus a socialist society in a union. And unions in a socialist society are integral of everyday life. Pretty much any organization you belong to will be working in a union, fact, in union fashion to ensure democratic processes. So your workplace, uh, your soccer club even, who fucking knows, whatever the fuck you want to do, but particularly the workplace in particular is very democratic uh, in that sense. And so... Yeah, I mean, you're going to be doing more than just pressing a fucking button in your workplace. You're going to have a voice. You're going to have to you're going to be asked what you think about doing a certain uh, bit, uh you know, economic move. How can we improve productivity? Your shit's going to matter and that's going to be integral of everyday life. And so that's what people don't understand is how much more democratic socialism really is versus capitalism. And we have to really start breaking down propaganda um, you know, from the cold fucking war and really look at the truth. Because guess what? We have the internet now. We have things that can refute the shit that our textbooks say, especially when it comes to genocide, colonialism, slavery. Y'all so quick to buy into those, but never when it comes to socialism or, ca or communism or capitalism. Uh, you know, there's never any doubt about those at the very end of the fucking day. Am I right? And so that's my point. Okay, back to democracy in the workplace. Yeah. Essentially, unions, how they work. I mean, so let's take my, let's take a call center for example, right? So my and that, that's probably the place where I work at. Whether or not you, whatever you feel about call centers, we all know they're shitty. Uh, you know, we all know that it's kind of hard to make the claim for you know, not even it's not even hard to make the claim. I've actually made the claim for production of value. So fuck that. You do produce value in a call center. Uh, whether it be customer service, save attempts, retention, things like that. There are a bunch of uh, skills, customer service, that average people can't fucking do nor bear, uh, if I'm being honest. And I'm not trying to ex exaggerately overplay the skills of a customer service rep, but there are quite a few skills that are fucking required to be a customer service representative, regardless of what you fucking say. Like, is that, isn't that why they make you type the fucking things in one minute or less? Isn't that why they want to make sure you have experience so you have a good tone so you can know what the fuck you're doing, right? And that's that why you're paid more. And so there are skills that go and come into play and experience, of course. And uh, in terms of how that would work, I mean, you would have an agent. The agents can meet up once a week or maybe even once a fucking day. Who knows, however often. That's up to us to decide, not our fucking bosses. Um, collectively as groups of agents, you know, not your supervisors, not your supervisor's supervisor. I mean, the people at the fucking bottom. And then if we want to include the rest, then we can decide to include the rest uh, if we consider them our friends. Uh, but we have to uh, first organize ourselves. So that would look like essentially perhaps a, a weekly meeting of union workers. You say, hey, this week 
what have you guys noticed that we can improve to help produce productivity? And then maybe the like t- 10 of you guys say, well, guess what? Uh, this fucking website was glitchy. Uh, can we please fix this? Or the customers don't like this. Can we please fix this? That way we can help things run more smoothly. And of course, we have to acknowledge the different interests, the different interests between the capitalist and the worker. Right. No, exactly. And so uh, the worker wants to work less, make more. There's nothing wrong with that. It's actually great. If I can still work, if I can have a robot do my job and still me get paid for it, <laughs> right? That's fucking awesome, right? But that's just an example, but... Before we automated gay space <laughs> communism, right? That's the ultimate end goal. Ultimate, ultimate, ultimate end goal. And there's going to be a lot of work to get there, but... I mean, that's just how it essentially starts. So you have the weekly meeting. You know, you guys decide what you guys need to do to improve productivity, to improve your happiness. Shit, maybe your even own mental fucking health because those places will fucking drain you to your last drop. Right, and it, it is like it's such a big, huge emotional, like, labor. Like, as much as, like, emotional labor is a joke in, like, the social media context, right? Everyone's like, pay for my emotional labor and, like, all that shit. But, like, it, it really is. Like, I honestly don't like taking calls that that I know that a member is upset on, upset on because I don't want to fucking deal with that. I don't want to, like... Yeah, I want to call you an asshole. Right? Exactly. I don't want to... I don't want to put my emotional... Don't want to strain myself emotionally to have to deal with someone who's upset. I don't. But like regardless we we're put to that and we don't even get compensated for that. Yeah, you It's really- it's somehow it's part of your job and it's like no, I'm first off some most of us aren't even trained properly properly to like deal with escalated people. Yeah. And quite frankly, that lack of training gets people fucking fired. Yeah. So you know, better training that way, right? You we will be able to elect that, like, and and see what that's like. That that'll be tangible. It'll be tangible. We we'll be able to like figure it out. Mm-hmm. What's the best way? Exactly, and there's tons of things like uh, that we can talk about. I mean, uh, just even as a a fucking team. I mean, in my in my workplace, they're consistently constantly trying to. Uh, keep us divided and keep us separated uh, by either switching up teams or switching up schedules or uh, making one department pit against another department, you know, in the product, in the production process. Because uh, I notice when, whenever we're not busy, uh, you know, the other department happens to be busy or whenever we're busy, the other department's not busy. Um, and so however the correlation works, I mean, there's obvious, um, I mean, I'll get to that. Uh, but uh, realistically, yeah, I mean, like even the sales team versus agents, uh, the sales guys, I mean, they're going to be obviously against the agents. They're they're embedded with their own uh, excess excess money. But the thing is, agents and customer service are also upselling. We're also selling more. If someone wants to buy three instead of one, I should get compensated for that. If they want to buy six instead of three, and I sold them and I convinced them, why should I not get compensated for that? And that's my point, is that we do end up cross-laboring each other in many, many, very areas. And there's a bunch of bullshit and a bunch of hoops that they make us jump through mm-hmm. for fucking vacation time or for, for fucking anything. Uh, you know, like, I have to send, like, literally f- a fucking form. I have to send a form to send an email. I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, I literally cannot. It's a, a bureaucratic process, and it's Ooh. bullshit. And it's like, these decisions are not being made by us as agents. These are being imposed by people up top 
who have no idea what the fuck it's like to work as an agent. Mm -hmm. And they just expect you to implement their policies at whatever whim and just deal with it. Mm -hmm. And because you're a fucking, you're just an emotional fucking bag and you're just supposed to take all that shit from people. And, you know, if you just can't hack it, then you're just weak, apparently. Yeah. Well, fuck me, right? Like, what I go through on a daily, emotionally, from having to deal with all these people is just not cared about. Just, it, it doesn't matter, right? To no one, it, it doesn't matter to anyone. Because, guess what? That's part of your job, bud. And if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. And it's like, nah, fuck you. I need a place to work. Like, a new job in this economy? Like... Yeah, and that's 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 the worst part of it all is that they don't really take that into consideration as well. I mean, fuck, 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 fuck. I forgot what I was going to fucking say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it had to do with... Um, shit, I think it had to do with emotional labor. Oh, there we go. Half the fucking people in my job are literally alcoholics or they're fucking smoking weed. And it's not to talk shit on them, but this job takes a lot out of you. And a lot of people want to forget their fucking day. Literally, I, I hear, like, on the day that I can't wait to go home and drink. Oh, shit. Like, literally, it's fucking intense. And it's not anything that I'm saying is, like, I mean, it can be toxic. It, it really can be. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard, um, you know, especially just because people don't understand what's causing them such duress or they do and they're there for the money and they're and they're grinding and they're just going to put up with shit and their mental health is going to be put second because they're chasing that grind right yeah and that's something that definitely needs to be addressed as well right like mental health days mm -hmm. right like fuck yeah fuck yeah because it's 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 not it, you we're told to like your grind comes first right like money comes first and then we'll see how you're feeling after and that that shit's not okay. No, I 100% agree. And, uh, you know, hopefully, um, you know, we can start to, I mean, people should, I suggest to really start looking into unions. And, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's it's extremely hard to unionize an ununionized place. Uh, so preferably, I mean, it's a lot easier to go to a place that already has a union and try to transform that union from within according and this is directly from the FRSO, the Freedom Road Socialist Organization. Is what that's definitely what you'd want to do. Um, you know, after talking with them, they've really expanded my knowledge on that. And uh, you know, that's definitely um, one tactic. Another tactic is maybe even com uh, you know creating competitive um, market uh, almost. Uh, you know, with worker cooperatives. Uh, you know, we have a ton of co-ops uh, like Comrades, that one food truck. Uh, we have tons of. Uh, there's a co-op over on 45th and, like, 5th East, um, I think. It's, like, uh, kind of close near that Chinese where that Chinese gourmet used to be. But it's, like, down the street from there, there's, like, another co-op food store. Uh, and the workers are, are managing it. It's worker self-management. Uh, you know, you pretty much... I think in the co-ops, how those grocery stores work, I mean, it's technically a business, right? But you get... As an employee, you get... I think you get free food. Um, in some co-ops, uh, by just merely putting in like you know your your ten hours a week, mm -hmm. and or ten to fifteen, and however you know whatever the requirement is in that co-op for you to get those benefits, uh -huh. you're putting in your equal share of that work in order to receive that benefit, and so it you know when it comes to co-ops, I mean there's so much more equal in that sense. I mean you're getting way more for your uh, buck. If you and your five buddies were really good framers and you guys wanted to start a, a cooperative crew, 
you know, like, and you guys spend 10 grand on a project, well, guess what? You all just made two grand each instead of that fifteen ninety nine you would have made if you worked for someone else, for a fucking employer. Mm-hmm. Sure, maybe wages are like 18 bucks, but guess what? What's better, 18 bucks an hour or fucking $2,000 in a week? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, like, there's just shit like that that people, you know, uh, take for granted. And, uh, you know, I guess exploitation runs much deeper. Uh, but honestly, it's a fucking handful and it's uh, it hurts your brain to think about sometimes. And it's not easy. And, you know, I don't blame people for, uh, you know, not wanting to get into that because it, it really does take up a lot of your time to try to study this stuff and try to uh, really think about it, you know, and just how it affects not only yourself, but society at large. So... I don't know. Do you have any g- final notes? Uh, no, but uh, we're going to end this first episode here. Uh, we have no idea how long this is, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> and uh, and uh, But uh, if you would like to support us, go ahead and support us on Patreon. Uh, we will be putting down the link in the um, show notes um, or in the description of this if you're listening to us on SoundCloud. Um so, yeah, if you'd like to support us with anything you'd like, uh, we don't have any content we'll be putting out quite yet for, like, extra. Um, this is all just a donation. If you just want to do a one-time donation of a dollar, that's totally fine. Um, but we eventually will be putting out more content on there for subscribers. Like, if you're going to do $5 a month, uh, we'll, we'll put something out there. We'll, we'll, we'll find something cool yeah, for you guys. Yeah, we want to hear your, uh, obviously, we want a democratic process. Uh, so we want to hear from you guys and what you guys would like to hear after this. Um, just in terms of content, not necessarily our analysis. We don't give a fuck what you, you know. But in terms of just content, in terms of what you wanted to talk about and maybe get, get our opinions or our perspectives on, you know, feel free to let us know. And if you guys have, uh, you know, feel free to also follow us on our Twitters. Uh, you know, I think mine's Magnum Lupum, M-A-G-N-U-M-L-U-P-U-M, or something like that, whatever. I'll put that shit in the description. <laughs> my, my Twitter followers going to know. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, just this is this has been it, and um, enjoy. Yeah.